Why You'll Never Be a Rapper, a memoir mixtape by Josh What's-His-Name Lefkowitz, forward by Fonte Coleman. Chapter 8. While I was starting my career as a college student, my oldest brother David was flourishing as a music manager in California. His biggest band to date was Primus, who gave him a shot when he was just a young and inexperienced booking agent determined to find success behind the scenes. After helping Primus get signed to Interscope Records, the group eventually sold multi-platinum and was nominated for a Grammy in 1995. As an older brother, David was very supportive of my love for music and my journey to become a rapper, even exposing me to a lot of the hip-hop music I loved in the mid to late 80s. Towards the end of my freshman year, my brother suggested I get an internship at a record label in New York City as a way in, and after realizing that I could earn college credit while making connections, I signed up to begin my first year as an intern for the marketing department at Jive Records. One week before starting my journey as an intern, I received a very interesting call. It was my friend Courtney, and he was excited. Yo, you never gonna believe this shit, he told me. My cousin is down here visiting from New York, and I asked him to make me a tape of a whole bunch of songs off the radio. I wasn't sure why he was telling me this. So we're sitting here listening to the tape, and I'm like, oh shit, that's my boy Josh. He's from Durham. Well, my cousin's like, nah, that's some dude from Mount Vernon. But I'm like, no, that's my boy Josh. Wait, slow down, what are you talking about? I said, Josh, they playing your song on Hot 97. I figured he had to have made a mistake until he proved it. Listen, he shouted. Courtney put the phone to his speaker and sure enough, I heard my song playing in the background. The song began to fade out and I heard Big Dennis, an on-air personality at Hot 97. That was Insider's POV by What's His Name out of Mount Vernon. And before I could process what was happening, I heard the voice of rapper Fat Joe in the background say, Uh, woo, that joint is hot. Now I knew it was real. Wait a minute, I thought. My joint is hot. What the fuck is going on? My mind began racing and my anxiety was exacerbated by trying to focus on each of the million or so thoughts that flew around in my brain. It was like a money grab in one of those machines that blow the bills around. I didn't even know, but my song had landed where hip-hop lives. Insider's POV was recorded in 1996. It was a commentary on the extreme materialism trend that had become popular in hip-hop music. It was the beginning of rappers bragging about money and name-brand clothing rather than showcasing their talents and telling creative stories. I thought it was too easy to rap like that, but more importantly, there seemed to be more lyrics about being rich and buying material items than there were rappers who could afford to do so. It was uninteresting and obvious, and I thought it was tainting the core of what we did. I mean, it was one thing for Dougie Fresh to rap about his Bally shoes, but it was another thing to hear broke rappers talking about Versace shirts, Chanel bags for their bitches, and Louis Vuitton headrests in their Rolls Royces. There's a fine line between trying to speak something into existence and pretending to be rich. One is optimistic, the other is disingenuous. Melvin sampled the R&B group intro for the beat and chorus, and I like the dichotomy between a commercial-sounding R&B beat and my statement-driven rap lyrics. Hey yo, why everybody wanna sound the same? It's all gimmicks and 
The show that POV ended up on was called Home Jams, and it was Hot 97's way of featuring unsigned artists on Sunday nights. Listeners would call in and vote for their favorite song of the week, and the one that survived would compete again the following Sunday. It was a shitty time slot after a hip-hop station's attempt at political talk radio, but I didn't care. My song was on arguably the most important rap station in the country. I just needed to find out how. A few days later, I got a call from Sister Rhonda's cousin Reggie from New York. I had met him once and he'd seemed to take a liking to my music, so I gave him my demo, never expecting anything to come from it. He told me that he was the one that sent POV to Hot 97 and I got defensive. Yo, you did what? I said before Reg reminded me that my song was on Hot 97. I apologized and thanked him, but deep down I knew that nothing came without strings attached. He went on to explain that the recording I heard was two weeks old and that my song had won every week since. I was less than a week away from starting my internship and knew I'd have at least one chance to hear myself over New York City's airwaves. I was excited and hopeful, and that inspired me to start packing. And before I packed a single item of clothing, I packed my clock radio with the built-in cassette deck. I arrived in New York on a Saturday and settled myself into an NYU dorm on Washington Square Park where I'd be staying for the summer. After unpacking, I killed time by walking around Greenwich Village but could only think about the next two days. Sunday would be the first time I'd hear one of my songs on the radio and it was going to be on the most important hip-hop station in the country. Monday would be my first time in a record label and it was one of the most important hip-hop labels in the country. I tried to wrap my head around where I was in life, and though I couldn't exactly pinpoint which emotion I was feeling, I knew that I was excited. Finally, 9 p.m. on Sunday night came. I listened to the last few minutes of the Street Soldier show, and then it felt like a bomb of chills went off inside of my body. This is two-time reigning champ, what's his name, out of Mount Vernon. The song is called Insider's POV. Check it out. Big Dennis, Home Jams, Hot 97. It was surreal, like everything I had imagined it would feel like, but better. My eyes welled up with tears, but I blinked and wiped them away quickly in fear that one of my roommates would walk in and see me crying over a clock radio. I was transfixed, mesmerized, frozen in time. Now it felt real. If I could win again this week, then who knows what I was capable of. The song came to an end. That was What's-His-Name from Mount Vernon with Insider's POV. If you like that joint, don't forget to call in and vote for it at the end of the show. I loved hearing him say it, but I couldn't get over the fact that he thought I was from Mount Vernon. 1-800-223-9797. I knew I had to call. For better or for worse, I wasn't from Mount Vernon. I wasn't even from New York. I was from Durham, North Carolina, and I needed that to be known. Remember, I had to keep it real. Pre-cell phones, if you were staying somewhere temporarily, you couldn't bank on the place having a landline, especially a dorm room. If you didn't bring a phone, you'd be unreachable for as long as you were there. The cheapest phones had pulse dialing, so when I decided I needed to speak with Big Dennis at that moment, my feverish dialing of Hot 97's 800 number became an exercise in patience. So there I was, turning that stupid wheel as fast as I could, each time waiting for it to come back around so I could get to the three-second process of dialing the next number. Sometimes the line was busy, and other times I'd hit the wrong circle with my finger. Finally, I got through. Hot 97. Yo, is this Big Dennis? I said. Yeah, it's Big Dennis. What up? Uh, what's up, Dennis? This is what's-his-name. You just played my song. 
Oh, what up, what's his name? You got a hot song. Thanks, man. Listen, I'm not from Mount Vernon, though. I'm from North Carolina. Oh, yeah? The tape came from Mount Vernon, so I figured that's where you were from. Oh, right. Yeah, it says uh, Reggie Reg Management, Mount Vernon, New York. Reggie Reg Management? What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know, boss. Right, man, my bad. Anyway, thanks, homie. I appreciate you playing it. No problem, buddy. Have a good night, he replied. It was clear Reggie had ulterior motives. He probably figured that he'd get me signed and conveniently put himself in the middle as an obstacle. The problem with that scheme was that I could usually tell when someone was trying to play me. My initial gut reaction to the situation was correct, but at least I had the exposure. And the bright side was that my song had won for the third week in a row. The next day I took the one train up to 23rd Street and 7th Avenue and made my way to 137 West 25th Street. Jive was my dream job, well, other than being a rapper, of course, but if I was going to get college credit for working, it was great that I could do it at a record label that for so many years had put out the music I loved. Kumo D, A Tribe Called Quest, KRS-One, Houdini, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, D-Nice, Foo Schnickens, Keith Murray, the list went on and on. I only hoped I could figure out how to add myself to the roster and I intended to soak in as much information as possible. I was like a spy, undercover, trying to infiltrate the enemy's faction. I had succeeded and I couldn't blow my cover. Not yet. Not until I was ready to make a move. And the move better count because I will probably only have one shot. I had to aim for the head. I made my way to the 8th floor up the nondescript gray elevator. The receptionist was moderately attractive but weird enough to make you forget. When I got off the elevator, she was singing the Backstreet Boys out loud, who I wasn't particularly familiar with at the time. She alerted someone of my presence, and then I was greeted by my new boss. Her name was Loy, and she was the assistant to the head of marketing. Loy was a no-nonsense chick, but a sweetheart at the same time. I liked her instantly. So you're my new intern, huh? Loy said. Where are you from? North Carolina, I said. Oh, really? I'm managing a producer from North Carolina. You ever heard of Ski? Had I ever heard of Ski? Had I ever heard of motherfucking Ski? If it were a movie, this would be the part where the background gets blurry and starts to move, while the camera does a fast, extreme close-up on my face. But through the hot flash and wave of nerves, I managed to get myself together. I had spent months trying to figure out how to get to him, and my direct connection happened on my first day at Jive. It became apparent that I was in the right place. The universe wanted me there. Yeah, of course, I said calmly. I go to school in Greensboro where he's from. I'm a rapper. We actually have a lot of friends in common, but we've never actually met. Oh, really? Loy said pleasantly. He's in here all the time. I'll definitely introduce you. I kept it calm and said, okay, cool, trying my best to show no signs of the excitement I was feeling inside. I knew I had slipped and revealed my true identity prematurely, but I escaped unscathed. I had to remember that I was across enemy lines and I had to keep my music a secret for now. Fortunately, Loy seemed to pay it no mind. For the next few days, Loy taught me the ropes. After asking me where I was staying, she told me that if I could come up with an address that was far enough away from the city, we could say that I was staying there and she could get me reimbursed for the transportation. I realized I could use my grandmother's house in Monroe, which would require me taking the train, and magically I started getting about $20 a day in petty cash that I could use for my daily meals. I worked hard at Jive and I enjoyed the shit work. 
I set out promo t-shirts to DJs, made calls to roller skate companies to see about renting a few pairs for a video shoot, and delivered videotapes of early edits of videos to the promotions department. Every day I kept at least two or three of my demo packets with me, complete with a four-song demo tape with a drawn-on cover, a bio, and an 8x10 promo picture. Thus far, no sign of a target, but I did manage to hand a tape to DJ Special K and Teddy Ted in the elevator one morning. I'm not sure if it made it past the lobby garbage can. A few weeks later, I was in a vacant cubicle boxing up trench coat-sized E-40 t-shirts to send to his crew, who was apparently made up of sumo wrestlers. I heard a voice that was unfamiliar but sounded a bit like Dame Dash, slick, quick-tongued, only speaking in bursts of words at a time. Somewhere in my mind I knew it was him, but I didn't want to look. I quickly finished up my assignment and came up with a stupid question I could ask Lloyd to insert myself into the situation. I asked her if she wanted me to take the package to the mailroom, even though that was my obvious next step. It worked. Yeah, that's cool. Ski, this is my intern Josh. He's a rapper from North Carolina. Oh, what up, Josh? Ski said. You from NC? Yeah, Durham, I said. Oh, word? Aight, aight. I go to UNCG, though. I actually chill at Flavor Spot a lot with Merv, Eli, Fanatic, and all those guys. Oh, word? Those are my peoples, he said. Yeah, I know. It's crazy we've never met. Yeah, definitely. I'm down there quite a bit. Instantly, we had common ground. Aight, man. It was good to meet you. I'm sure I'll see you around one way or another, I said. I wanted to bring the conversation to a close before I reached full-on fanboy status. No doubt, Josh, Ski said as I shook his hand and walked off as if he was just another person. Feeling a sense of accomplishment, I carried the box of giant t-shirts down to the mailroom and devised my next plan. Introductions and common ground were cool, but I needed to take it a step further. I was only in town for a month and I needed to accomplish as much as I could. I returned from the mailroom where I had primarily been clowning around with the mailroom staff. These guys were essentially my equals but with a paycheck, so they didn't carry the same air of false importance that some of the other employees possessed. It put me at ease after my encounter, and between jokes, I was able to plan what I'd do next if I ever ran into Ski alone and had the opportunity to speak with him. As if the mailroom visit was perfectly timed, I returned to Lloyd's cubicle to find Ski sitting alone. I had to seize the moment. Yo, Ski, let me ask you a question. Yeah, what up? I was wondering if you would take my demo tape, just to listen to it so I can get your opinion. Yeah, that's cool. You got one on you? Um, I should. Hold on, I said, as I reached into my backpack pretending like I hadn't orchestrated this meeting in my head like a Broadway show. I fiddled around a little and pulled out my demo. Yeah, here you go. Cool, man. What's... what does it say? What's his name? Oh, ha. What's his name? I like that. Now I was on the goal line. I just needed to score. The following Monday came and Lloyd went out to lunch around noon. I was intelligent enough to man the phone, so after a few specific instructions, she left me to it. After half an hour, I grew bored, so after some digging through drawers of old promo material, I found a letter from Q-Tip proclaiming to the label that he had legally changed his name to Kamal Fareed and he expected his album credits to read as such. The letter was aggressive and I was wildly entertained. It was handwritten, and after making a copy of it for my personal collection, I returned to a ringing phone. Marketing, I said. Yes, Lloyd, please? I knew the voice. Lloyd's out to lunch. Is there a message? Yeah, could you tell a ski call? Oh, what up, ski? It's Josh. What up, Josh? Yeah, I'll let her know. She should be back in about 45 minutes. Okay, cool. I appreciate it. I had to go for it. Yo, um, you had a chance to peep that tape yet? I asked. 
Yeah, I checked it out. It was cool, Ski said, sounding polite but completely unenthused. So let me run, Josh. Tell Lloyd to call me. Leaving no time for further dialogue, Ski had all but rushed me off the phone. Though I was just 19 and a bit let down, I worked through my God-given sensitivity and didn't let the conversation break my stride. I had to know more. Why was there no excitement? Did this mean he didn't want to make me his new artist so that we could rule the world together NC style? Shit, was I going to have to go back to school now? I knew that at some point we'd speak again and I would have to get more out of him. The following Wednesday, I was back at my post as the marketing department's temporary receptionist. Marketing, I said. Yes, Lloyd, please? I again played stupid as if I wasn't hoping it was him every time the phone rang. Lloyd's at lunch. Is there a message? Yes, could you have a call, Ski? Yeah, no problem. What up, Ski? It's Josh. Hey, what up, Josh? Nah, shit, man. Just chilling. Yo, listen. I wanted to thank you for checking my tape out. That's no problem, man, he said. Yeah, so I know you said it was cool. I was just looking to get some feedback from you. Well, yeah, um... Ski paused for a bit, and I became nervous. I almost wished I hadn't asked, but I had to know. After a slight sigh, he began to speak again and said something that would stick in my mind for the rest of my life. I mean, you got it. You a rapper. But I'm just looking for more single-type stuff. You know what I'm saying? It was apparent that Ski wasn't stupid. He was once a young, unsigned rapper trying to make it in the music industry and knew that I wasn't just giving him my demo for his opinion. Though he seemed to pretend right along with me, the show was over and he and I were done with the formalities. Unfortunately, this was the part of the conversation I hadn't rehearsed in my head. Okay, um, thanks, but like, I was dumbfounded. The words wouldn't form and my thoughts wouldn't process. I'd worked so hard with Melvin to turn my raps into songs and my songs into hits. With Asim, I had perfected my rap stylings and my choruses were positively affected by strong live performances. How could he not hear what I was trying to put out there? Again, Ski knew I was struggling to get my words together and jumped right in to relieve me of my discomfort. See, you like me. You a hip-hop dude, so you make hip-hop music. But that's not what it's going to take for you to get on. You know what I'm saying? I began trying to make sense of what he was saying, but my thoughts were cut short when he finished his dissertation with the most profound bit of information anyone had ever given me. Yo, let me give you some advice. Stop trying to convince people you can rap. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, laughing nervously. I mean, every song you're trying to battle the whole world and make them believe you can rap. You can rap and people will be able to hear that. You just don't have to tell them all the time. Trust me. My mind was blown. Had I been going about this all wrong? I thanked Ski for his advice and hung up the phone. Now I had some serious thinking to do. Was Ski right or should I ignore what he was saying? Should I focus less on the lyrics and more on the song and was that even possible? Would I have the same appeal if I wasn't spitting the best, most creative lyrics I could think of? And who would I be if I wasn't what's-his-name, the dope lyricist? I was at a crossroads. I had spent my whole life trying to write the best lyrics I could to make my rap forefathers proud. Then as I got bigger, Melvin had instructed me to make sure that my beats were catchier and my choruses were easier for people to catch onto and remember. I thought that it was all I'd need. I rounded myself out by becoming a better, more energetic performer with Asim, and as far as I was concerned, I was the total package. And now that I'd finally gotten my music to one of the hottest producers in the rap game, his advice was to be less good? Though things with Ski didn't exactly work out as I had planned, I spent every waking second running his words over and over in my head while trying to make the best out of my summer and jive. But chasing down Ski wasn't the only fishing line I had in the water. 
I spent the rest of the summer hoping I would somehow get a call from a record label who had heard Insider's POV. After all, the number was on the tape and David had begun shopping it. But alas, I did not, though the song did wind up winning for six weeks straight. My dreams of dropping out of college would have to wait, at least for now. 